Chapter twenty three of the Gorilla Hunters by R. M. Valentine. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Adele de Pignoroles. Chapter twenty three. We see strange things and give our negro friends the slip. During the two following days, we passed through a country that was more thickly covered with the India rubber vine than any place we had before met in our African travels. I could not help feeling regret that such a splendid region should be almost, if not altogether, unknown and useless to civilized man there seemed to be an unlimited supply of caoutchouc but the natives practised a method of gathering it which had the effect of destroying the vine one day some weeks after this we came upon the habitation of a most remarkable species of monkey named the nishiego mubuv which we had often heard of but had not up to that time been so fortunate as to see being exceedingly anxious to observe how this remarkable creature made use of its singular house peterkin and i lay down near the place and secreting ourselves in the bushes patiently awaited the arrival of the monkey while jack went off in another direction to procure something for supper i don't believe he'll come home to-night said peterkin after we had lain down people never do come in when any one chances to be waiting for them the human race seems to be born to disappointment did you ever notice ralph how obstinately contrary and cross-grained things go when you want them to go otherwise i don't quite understand you said i of course you don't yours seems to me a mind that can never take anything in unless it is hammered in by repetition come now peterkin don't become yourself an illustration of your own remark in reference to cost-grained things well i won't but seriously ralph have you not observed in the course of your observant life that when you have particular business with a man and go to his house or office you are certain to find him out to use the common phrase it would be more correct however to say you are certain not to find him in you are uncommonly particular peterkin truly i had need to be so with such an uncommonly stupid audience thank you well well have you never observed that if you have occasion to call at a house where you have never been before the number of that particular house is not in its usual place and you find it after a search quite away from where it ought to be has it never struck you that when you take out your umbrella the day is certain to become hot and sunny while if you omit to carry it with you it is sure to rain from all of which you mean to conclude said i that the nishigo will not come home to-night exactly so that is my meaning precisely after peterkin said this we relapsed into silence and it was well that we did so for had we continued our conversation even in the whispering tones in which it had up to that time been conducted we should have frightened away the ape which now came as it were to rebuke peterkin for his unbelief coming quickly forward the nishigo mubuv clambered quickly up the tree where its nest was built this nest was not a structure into which it clambered but a shelter or canopy formed of boughs with their leaves somewhat in shape like an umbrella under which it sat the construction of this shelter exhibited a good deal of intelligent ingenuity on the part of the ape for it was tied to the tree by means of wild vines and creepers and formed a neat comfortable roof that was quite capable of shedding the night dews or heavy rains and thus protecting its occupant we were greatly amused by the manner in which the creature proceeded to make itself comfortable just below the canopy was a small branch which jutted out horizontally from the stem of the tree on this branch the ape seated itself its feet and haunches resting thereon then it threw one arm round the tree and hugging that lovingly to its side gave what appeared to me to be a small sigh of satisfaction and prepared to go to sleep at this peterkin chuckled audibly the nishigo's eyes opened at once 
I cocked my gun and took aim. The desire to procure a specimen was very strong within me, but an unconquerable aversion to kill an animal in such cosy circumstances restrained me. The Nishigo got up in alarm. I pointed the gun but could not fire. It began to descend. I pulled the trigger, and, I am happy to add, missed my aim altogether, to the intense delight of Peterkin, who filled the woods with laughter, while the Nishigo Mabuve, dropping to the ground, ran shrieking from the spot. My forbearance at this time was afterwards repaid by my obtaining two much finer specimens of the shelter-building ape, both of which were killed by Peterkin. On quitting this place we had a narrow escape, the recollection of which still fills me with horror. We were walking rapidly back towards our encampment, chatting as we went, when Peterkin suddenly put his foot on what appeared to be the dead branch of a tree. No sooner had he done so than the curling folds of a black snake fully ten feet long scattered the dry leaves into the air, and caused us both to dart aside with a yell of terror. I have thought that in the complicated and wonderful mechanism of man there lies a species of almost involuntary muscular power which enables him to act in all cases of sudden danger with a degree of prompt celerity that he could not possibly call forth by a direct act of volition. At all events, on the present emergency, without the least degree knowing what I was about, I brought my gun from my shoulder into a horizontal position, and blew the snake's head off almost in an instant. I have pondered the subject, and from the fact that while at one time a man may be prompt and courageous in case of sudden danger, at another time the same man may become panic-stricken and helpless, I have come to the conclusion that the all-wise Creator would teach us, even the bravest among us, the lesson of our dependence upon each other, as well as our dependence upon himself, and would have us know that while at one time we may provide a tower of strength and protection to our friends, at another time our friends may have to afford succor and protection to us. I have often wondered in reference to this, that many men seem to take pride in bold independence, when it is an obvious fact that every man is dependent on his fellow, and that this mutual dependence is one of the chief sources of human happiness. The black snake which I had killed turned to be one of a very venomous kind, whose bite was said to be fatal, so that we had good cause to be thankful, and to congratulate ourselves on our escape. In this region of Africa we were particularly fortunate in what we saw and encountered, as the narrative of our experiences on the day following the above incidents will show. We had scarcely advanced a few miles on our journey on the morning of that day, when we came upon a part of the country where the natives had constructed a curious sort of trap for catching wild animals, and it happened that a large band of natives were on the point of setting out for a grand hunt at that time. We were greeted with immense delight on our arrival, for those natives, we soon discovered, had already heard of our exploits in the land of the gorilla, and regarded us as the greatest hunters that had ever been born. After a short conversation with the chief, through the medium of Makaruru, we arranged to rest there a day, and accompanied some of them on their hunting expedition, and the better to secure their good will, we presented some of the headmen with a few of the beads we still possessed. Then hauling our canoe out of the water, we prepared ourselves for the chase. After a long and tedious march through the somewhat dense jungle, we came upon the ground, which was partly opened, partly clothed with trees and shrubs. Here the natives, who numbered several hundreds, spread themselves out in a long semicircular line in order to drive the game into the trap. As we followed them, or rather formed part of the line, I overheard the following conversation between Peterkin and Makaruru, who chanced to be together. "'Now, Mac,' said the former, examining the caps of his rifle, "'explain to me what sort of trap this is we're coming to, and what sort of brutes we may expect to find in it.' "'The trap, Massa,' replied our faithful follower, drawing the back of his hand across his mouth. 
De trap am be called Hopo. Called what o? inquired Peterkin. Hopo. Oh, go on. And hims be made ob de great number o sticks tumble down, and hole at de end of dat. And de great beasties dat go in be zebros, elephants, elands, buffaloes, gaffs, nocrises, news, and great more nutters of which me forget de names. Oh, you forget the names, do you? Yes, massa. Ah, it wouldn't be a great loss, Mac, if you were to forget the names of those you remember. The conversation was interrupted at this point by the appearance of a buffalo, which showed that we were drawing near to the scene of action. But as Makaruru's description is not remarkable for lucidity, I may here remark that the hobo, or trap, consists of two parts. One part may be termed the conducting hedges, the other the pit at their termination, and into which the game is driven. The conducting hedges are formed in the shape of the letter V. At the narrow extremity there is a narrow lane, at the end of which is the terminating pit. This pit is about eight feet deep and fifteen feet broad, and its edges are made to overlap in such a way that once the animals are in it they have no chance whatever of getting out again. The surface of the pit is concealed by a thin crust of green rushes, and the hedges are sometimes a mile long, and nearly the same width apart at the outer extremities. We were still a considerable distance from the outer ends of the hedges, when the natives spread out as above described, and I am convinced that our line extended over at least four miles of ground. The circle, of course, narrowed as they advanced, shouting wildly, in order to drive the game into the enclosure. That the country was teeming with game soon became apparent, for ever and anon, as we advanced, a herd of news or buffaloes or hartebeests would dart affrighted from their cover, and sweep over the open ground into another place of shelter, out of which they were again driven as the line advanced. In the course of half an hour we drove out hartebeests, zebras, news, buffaloes, giraffes, rhinoceroses, and many other kinds of smaller game, either singly or in herds. "'Now, lads,' said Jack, approaching Peterkin and me as we walked together, "'it is quite evident that if we wish to see this sport in perfection, we must get outside the hedge, and run along towards the pit. For there, in the natural course of things, we may expect the grand climax. What say you? Shall we go?' "'Agreed,' said I. "'Ditto!' cried Peterkin. So without more words we turned aside, followed by Makaruru, leapt the hedge, and running down along it soon reached the edge of the pit. Here we found a number of natives assembled with spears, looking eagerly through the interstices of the hedges in expectation of the advancing herds. We took up our stand on a convenient spot and prepared to wait patiently. But our patience was not severely tried. We had not been more than five minutes stationed when the noise of the closing line was heard, and a herd of buffaloes dashed wildly out from a small piece of jungle in which they had sought shelter, and galloped over the plain towards us. Suddenly they halted, and stood for a moment snuffing the air, as if uncertain what to do, while we could see, even at that distance, that every muscle of their bodies trembled with mingled rage and terror. Before they could decide, a herd of news boosted out from the same place, and presently a dozen zebras galloped out, tossing up their heads and heels in magnificent indignation. These last scattered, and approaching the hedges, which caused several natives to dart into the enclosure, who from beneath the shelter of oval shields as large as themselves, threw their spears with unerring certainty into the sides of the terrified creatures. At this moment there was a general rush from the scattered groups of trees and clumps of jungle, for the animals were now maddened with terror, not only at the shouts of their human persecutors, but at their own wild cries and the increasing thunder of their tread. The shouting and tumult now became excessive. It was almost bewildering. I looked round upon the faces of the negroes nearest me. 
they seemed to be almost insane with suppressed excitement and their dark faces worked in a manner that was quite awful to witness presently there was a general and indiscriminate rush of all kinds of animals towards the narrow end of the hobo the natives pressed in upon them with wild cries spears flew in all directions ere long the plain was covered with wounded animals struggling and bellowing in their death agonies as the rushing multitude drew nearer to the fatal pit they became crowded together and now the men near us began to play their part look out jack i cried as a buffalo bull with glaring eyes and foaming jaws made a desperate effort to leap over the barriers in our very faces jack raised his rifle and fired at the same instant a spear was bent into the buffalo's breast and it fell back to form a stumbling block in the way of the rushing mass the report of the rifle caused the whole herd to swerve from our side so violently that they bore down the other side until i began to fear the hedge would give way altogether but they were met by the spears and the furious yells of the natives there and again swept on towards the narrow lane and now the head of the bellowing mast came to the edge of the pit those in front seemed to suspect danger for they halted suddenly but the rush of those behind forced them on in another moment the thin covering gave way and a literal cataract of huge living creatures went surging down into the abyss the scene that followed was terrible to witness and i could not regard it with other than feelings of intense horror despite my knowledge of the fact that a large tribe of natives depended on the game then slain for their necessary food the maddened animals attempted to leap out of the pit but the overlapping edges already referred to effectually prevented this until the falling torrent filled it up then some of them succeeded in leaping out from off the backs of the smothered comrades these however were quickly met and speared by the natives while ever and anon the great mass was upheaved by the frantic struggles of some gigantic creature being smothered at the bottom while the scene of this wholesale destruction was going on makarooroo came up to me and begged me with mysterious looks to follow him out of the crowd i obeyed and when we had got away from the immediate neighbourhood of the turmoil i said well mac what's wrong de chief massa hims tell me few moments ago dat can you wid mabongo and woomans have passed dis way to-morrow to-morrow i exclaimed no me forget have passed yes some day indeed yes and de chief hims say hims wants us to stop with him and go hunt for a week or two perhaps he no let us go away that's just possible mac have you told jack no massa then go bring him and peterkin hither at once in a few minutes my companions were with me and we held a brief earnest consultation as to what we should do i think we should tell the chief we are anxious to be off at once and leave him on good terms said i peterkin objected to this no said he we cannot easily explain why we are anxious to be off so hastily i counsel flight they won't find out that we are gone until it is too late to follow jack agreed with this view so of course i gave in though i could not in my heart approve of such a method of sneaking away but our guide seemed also to be exceedingly anxious to be off so we decided and slipping quietly away under the shelter of the hedge while the natives were still busy in their bloody work we soon gained the forest here we had no difficulty in retracing our steps to the village where having picked up our little companion Njami's son who had been left to play with the little boys of the place we embarked swept down the stream and were soon far beyond the chance of pursuit end of chapter 23 recording by adelde pinoles